Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. So, really, I'm still trying to get used to this Deacon Dave, because last time I saw you, you were Dave. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to get used to it as well. So, sometimes, are you talking to me? <laughs> How does the collar feel? It, uh, it, it's okay. It's nice and loose, so my wife did a good job getting the right size, but it's, it's certainly a reminder of what we're called to be as deacons, and that is to be the icon of Christ, the servant. And I remember first being in class when they told us that, that, wow, that's a, a pretty awesome responsibility. So it, mm. it's been good for my life as well. Uh, it kind of keeps me focused on uh, doing the things that the Lord is asking me to do. Yeah. Do you find that it's like I, I when I first got married and trying to get used to the ring, right? And it's there, and okay, this doesn't feel normal. And is it the same kind of thing with the collar that it takes some of that getting used to? Absolutely. And they do a good job in formation. Uh, our formation was ended up being five years, oh, and wow. they do a really good job of preparing you and making you understand. I'll go back to the word servant. So I think we started out with our opening prayer before we came on air here talking about humility. Mm. And so humility is a very important part of, of, of what we're called to do. And it keeps me on my toes. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'll bet. Wow. It's been what, three weeks? Four weeks? It's been sep- 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 I can't even talk. September 15th. September okay, 15th. about a month. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm well into my second month now. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> a pro. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's excellent. Well, if you couldn't tell, uh, folks, we have Deacon, a Deacon on our show. Deacon Dave Reeves is with us today joining us. And, of course, Austin Farenholm. Hello, everybody. As well as myself, Ken White. And we, we welcome you to the show. And we are going to talk today a little bit about living your faith in the workplace. Um, and so, gosh, I, I think the question that just springs to mind so easily is like, how is that even done? <laughs> like, where do we even begin? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> well, Ken and I work for a church, so... So it's if, a lot easier for us, yeah, right? If we don't bring Christ to the workplace, then we should be fired. Yeah, but. we probably... Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> but, it's, but, but I can remember, so I did this internship for um, a physics lab back in college. And trying to find the relation of there is relation obviously between science and our faith, but but it wasn't so easily applicable as actually working for the church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people I worked with were not Catholic. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Um, and and sort of how to live that in the midst of that was was challenging. And sort of the question was always how do how do I do this? How do I spread Christ? You know, in the workplace. So. Well, which part of that, if I could turn this around on yeah. you and interview you, did you really struggle with? Was it sharing your faith? Was it really living out your Christian values at work because of some of the challenges, maybe, or what was it? Yeah, I think I think part of the the reality for me that was was that I really was invested in my faith and suddenly I'm around a lot of people that just aren't. <laughs> and so both holding on to it for myself, you know, and, and trying to learn how do I integrate this into into a work environment that's not Was it uncomfortable in, mm-hmm. in the sense of sharing your faith or just the fact that maybe you were the only one there that uh, was strong in your faith? Yeah, I think I think more the latter. It was that um, 
here I am working towards a particular goal, the goal of heaven, uh, and the the goals of the people around me weren't weren't that necessarily. It wasn't that they didn't want to be good people or they didn't, but it was sort of felt sort of out of out of that common comfortable environment, out of that Catholic bubble. Did you um, ever actually attempt in any way to do anything to bring your faith to work? I mean, besides praying throughout the day, I mean, that was kind of the main thing that I would do, right? So before working on any of the projects or if I got frustrated with some of the science research I was doing, just spending some time in prayer, uh, both asking for patience and guidance in that. And so you're turning it around on me. This is great. This is Deacon Dave leading the interviews uh, today, everybody. The new MC MC of the podcast. I'm I'm bucking for a new job. I'll tell you. I've got to have a post-retirement job that I can come to on a, a weekly basis. Well, our, our criteria for being an MC on this show is very high, Deacon. So. Oh, very high. Yeah. Well, that's why very you have Ken here. Very intense and rigorous uh, yeah. interview process. You know, it, it's tough. That's not true, actually. Ken and I just started it. <laughs> okay. Well, instead of turning around on you too much longer, I think part of what I was going to share today was there's a – an exterior and an interior way with which we can share Christ in the workplace. And some of the examples exteriorly, and I'll take my office at work, uh, for example. First thing I have is I have a crucifix that is right on my computer to the side. And then I have a nice little sign behind me that everybody sees when they come in my office that says, you know, God didn't get all his work done in one day either. I like it. Then I have nice little... uh, St. John Paul II prayer card, which actually sits in my keyboard, and mm. it's something that you can also give to people if you keep prayer cards with you when they come, and it can be anybody at all. So those are just some of the small things that I have in my office. You can also have your Catholic calendar as well. So they're, they tell you a lot that you need to have visible signs that people know, hey, these people love God, they're Christians, when they enter your home. Well, the same can be true hmm. of your office. And you don't work in a, you, you're a deacon, but for those who don't know you, you do not work in a Catholic necessarily environment, right? It's a secular. It's a secular, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I own my own business. Mm-hmm. So for me, I guess you could say in some ways it's easier because it's my office so I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's kind of the rub. We often feel insecure uh, or um, self-conscious about sharing our faith in very simple ways. Hmm. And it can be challenging, and, and maybe other people you feel like are looking at you because uh, of, of what you have on your desk. I know someone, they, they do the rosary uh, at work. I know someone else every day at work at 3 o'clock, they close their door and they do the Divine Mercy hmm. Chaplet. Hmm. So you know people are going to start asking, and that's exactly what you want them to do. You want them to start asking questions. What do you, why do you close the door every day at 3 o'clock? Well, come on in and let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So there's some ways where maybe you can attract people to ask questions, but certainly in very visible ways you can let them know, hey, I love Jesus. Yeah. And it, it just makes me think, too, of how both you as a deacon and then the priests wear the clerics, and that's such a visible sign of the reality of what 
you're the service that you're offering. Um, and, and I just think that there's this sort of automatic, you see, you see a priest or you see a deacon and there's this sense of if I need something, right, I can go and chat with them. Would you say that's, that's a similar kind of thing? If you have those visible symbols in your workplace, you're also offering sort of a refuge for that, people? That is a great that is a great point because I have certainly experienced that in a little bit of time. And now I'm going to go ahead and throw Crisio in here. Yeah. And we do spiritual direction on Crisio. And I noticed that more people would come and ask for my opinion uh, because I was a deacon. Hmm. And, and, and in turn, that I asked God for more grace in order <laughs> to be able to respond to uh, whatever question they may be asking. But, but you're absolutely right. And in my work already, the last two days, I've changed clothes at work. So I'm walking around the office before I leave in my clerics, mm. and it, it, it is a visible sign. And honestly, more than anything else, as I told you earlier, it is a visible sign to myself mm. of who I'm called to be. And so as you said, if we have things in our office that remind us of who we're called to be in Christ, it's a really good reminder and kind of keeps us solid through the day and how we treat people and, and what we do. Yeah. So, like Deacon said, he he works uh, pretty closely with the Curcio uh, movement, the Curcio retreats, and uh, I actually went on one uh, about a month. Was it a month ago? Yes, no, it was. Yeah, yeah. You were a deacon for like four days. Um, exactly. Then, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was somebody there who gave a talk. I thought it was great. He was talking about the laity, the role of the laity, um, and. If anyone's un- unfamiliar with that term, the laity are basically people who are not religious and or not priests or deacons. Um, so deacon is no longer lay. He's now ordained. So, uh, But Ken and I are lay. And so uh, this guy was giving a talk about it, and he said that um, the laity are like uh, – they're like special ops. Um, you remember that? I like that. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I don't know if you were. At I wasn't that point there, but I like okay, it. Okay, yeah. He said it's you know that there's there's the infantry, um, and they kind of go out and might have menial tasks or or whatever. But he said that the Christian, the lay Christian, the baptized Christian, is like a special ops um, fighter. That they've got their uh, their given many gifts. So it's not like they just have one task that they go and do, um, but they're given many gifts from the Holy Spirit and have to go wherever they're, they're we're called to go and sanctify the world. So wherever we go, um, like the workplace, we're called to go and sanctify it, not just with, you know, well, I'm Austin and I have a crucifix, but uh, around my neck, but, but I also have different gifts, you know, the gift maybe to speak or to write or something like that. Um, or like, for instance, my wife is a she stays home right now with our kids, but is a nurse um, by practice. And so she's got this wonderful gift of uh, – she was a hospice nurse for a while. So for her, compassion and sitting with people who are sorrowful is just natural. It just comes really naturally for her. And so we have neighbors sometimes that have gone through hard things, and she'll just go and sit with them and listen. You know, she's got this natural gift um, that's uh, that's given to her by, by God, and then she's baptized. And so her – her heart has grown even bigger. And so she takes those things right into the world. And a lot of times doesn't even say, say necessarily the name Jesus, but, um, but just by her presence there is being Jesus to these people. I would call those gifts charisms. 
charisms. Those, I like it. Those yeah. things that God especially gives us that we're good at, like the two of you being on this podcast. And I'm, I know you have other good things that you do too, Ken. It's okay. I'm just, <laughs> just using this as an example. This is about all he's got, Deacon. But, 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 make his head too big. <laughs> but it's important for us to understand what our, our as you said, our God-given gifts are, our charisms, those things that we take out to the world, um, compassion, to draw mm-hmm. them closer to Christ, to just be someone that is there is so huge. And I think part of how we strengthen our charisms is through really tapping into the gifts of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and nurturing those and and helping uh, and letting the Holy Spirit help those grow in us, whether it's wisdom or knowledge or fortitude or counsel or understanding or just really understanding, as we've talked about earlier, the respect that we need to have for God in our everyday life. When we strengthen those uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, our charisms become even more empowered uh, mm. for us to take them out into the world. So, Deacon, can you talk a little bit more about how we might strengthen some of those gifts or identify them and grow in them? What I can draw Crisio back into this now. I knew you were going to do yes. that. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's a tripod of Crisio, which is uh, piety, uh-huh. study, and action. And so if let's, let's just take piety, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and how do we grow in holiness? And we were just having this conversation the other day. God is... He can be not so subtle sometimes, and sometimes he can be very subtle. He is constantly calling us to holiness. I'll give you a perfect example. Two of them related to Mount Carmel, where we are today. So I'm over uh, down the street a couple of miles, and I'm working on a job. And I go, well, you know, I haven't been to reconciliation, you know, in, in a month or so, and I need to go. So I, I go to masstimes.org, look up reconciliation, and lo and behold, Mount Carmel on Thursdays does reconciliation in the mornings. Okay, God, got it, check, I'll go. So that's going to reconciliation is one of those ways um, that we grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we have to be right with God. Yeah. Uh, we can't be carrying all these uh, this excess, excess baggage around with us uh, when God is ready to pour out his mercy on us. Another case was I was driving by and I just got that little prompting of the Holy Spirit that said, why don't you come and visit... Jesus in the tabernacle. Hmm. And I was right here near Mount Carmel again. And I can't tell you, there's been plenty of times in my life where I kept going straight. Hmm. But as we continue to allow the Lord to draw us into himself, you make that left turn onto Harpersville and you stop by here. And even if it's only for five minutes, that's five minutes where you've stopped and you've taken time to be present to he who created you. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, just little ways that we grow in holiness is, is taking time to make God first throughout the day. Yeah, and I like that idea of attentiveness too, that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to us, and, uh, but it's very easy for us to kind of cloud that and forget that he is. Um, but then when, when we feel called to do something, even even small, that that's a time to, to listen it. and do it. Yeah. It's funny that you should say this whole idea of doing something really small because God is the great magnifier. Mm. So even when we do something small, and maybe it's something that's in line with our charisms, God can take that and turn it into something very special. And oftentimes, we don't even get to see it, Ken. Right. We, we just do what God called us to do, and then we move on. And then God does the rest of the work, maybe with some other people, 
And you never know when just being Christ to someone else is going to make a difference in their life. Have you ever had an opportunity where it's kind of come back around and you've, you've realized that, wow, I, I answered God and then look what happened? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> There's a kind of a neat um, – because we're talking about – really, you're talking about the sacramental life, right? Being yeah. being close to the sacraments and sort of what always amazes me is the closer I am to the sacraments, the more my life becomes that outward symbol, right? That you talk about the symbols in your office and, and it's like without even realizing it entirely. And there was a situation – and this is such a gift because you're right. We don't normally get to see any of this. And I would never have thought – I was sitting there with uh, a good friend of mine – and uh, one of his his girlfriend's um, friend was there, Catholic, and we were talking, and the subject of confession came up. And the one the one woman said that she was kind of daunted by the idea of going and hadn't been in a while. And just I, I it wasn't planned. It wasn't a thought out. I'm going to give this deliver this teaching on confession. I just said, how could you not? It's so beautiful and wonderful, and I always feel free when I'm done. And that's all I said. And then we just kind of went on with the conversation, and it was weeks later that my friend came back to me, and he said, you know, she actually went to confession after what you said. That's so awesome. And she loved it. And I, and it just blew me away, because it was nothing that I had done. It was because I was close to Jesus in the sacraments that it just sort of just poured out of me. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Do you ever notice that when you... Do something exactly like like what you said. I'll give you a perfect example. So I was at Relay for Life uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there was this young lady sitting over there by herself. And I said, you know, she looks really lonely. So I'm going to go over, and I'm going to talk to her. And maybe similar to your wife, Austin, I said, tell me your story. Hmm. And she started to share her story, and I'm, I'm sitting there crying. <laughs> and I'm like... I, I she was so amazing. She was 20 years old, and she said, I do not believe that I had cancer when I was five years old for no reason. Mm. I believe that God is going to do something with me that's going to help other people that are going through similar situations. And that's why I'm going to college, so that I can work with cancer patients and help them in their own struggles. Wow. Mm. Yeah, so her her difficulties were... Uh, resurrected in a sense because of her belief in God and the power of God and how he can take the most difficult things in our life and turn them into something beautiful and give them meaning that maybe otherwise we wouldn't think had any meaning. I like to say that God turns our difficulties into gifts for other people because we get to share and be that empathetic person uh, like your wife, for example, Austin. Yeah. It's good stuff. You you end up getting a lot in return sometimes when we just open ourselves up to do God's work. Yeah. Not that that's why we're doing it. Right. (laughs) But it's that gift. It's some of the times a gift gift that he gives us to encourage us onward. Exactly. Absolutely. And there's a mutuality component of friendship, and that comes up with friendship with Jesus, too, that you 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 give, but you're also very open to receiving. And fortunately, our our God gives more than we ever could. So Absolutely. a lot of times we end up receiving more than we could ever contain. <laughs> I think every time we um, we we respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we give someone the uh, the hug of grace, you can't help but receive it back because mm. by its very nature, a hug uh, requires you you get something back. Yeah, mm. that's beautiful. Yeah, very cool. So I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Deacon. We talked a little bit about um, you know we're talking about. Uh, um, Bringing Jesus into the workplace uh, and that 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 Christian witness. Um, 
sometimes I think it it'll happen that when we have those visible signs that someone will get interested mm-hmm. or they'll ask a question. Um, and I've found at least in my life before that, that I'll hit a point where it's like, Oh, they're interested, you know? Okay. It's showtime, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and maybe we respond poorly or well. Um, uh, but then there's always a question of, well, what next? You know, what do I do now? They've asked something they were interested. Uh, do you have any advice or thoughts on that? Well, I think we've talked about relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the first thing you have to do is enter into relationship with someone. Oh, and look at this. I'll tie in Crisio again. <laughs> There's make, a theme you, I'm picking. Yeah, you, you make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. So really we have to get to know that person first. So it depends on the situation, Austin, sure. that you may be talking about. But I think getting to understand them, uh, their background, just being present to them uh, is first before moving forward. But I'm a little bit more aggressive, and I think that um, – the grace of, of ordination has probably helped me with that. Mm. Uh, I had a I had two people come into my office just yesterday, and they were trying to sell me on uh, a, a program for our vehicles and everything. And the guy made a mistake. He mentioned that he was getting married. I said, "Oh, really? Okay. Where are you getting married?" And so we just start having this discussion. And I ask him, uh, "Well, what do you think the most? What what, what are the most important?" things in, in being married. And he, he, he listed several things with communication being number one. And I pointed to that little sign that I have that's behind my desk. I and actually pulled it off the wall, and it says God at the bottom. And I pointed at that. And I said, God is the most important part of any marriage. <laughs> because, and he kind of looked at me, and we, and, but it started a conversation. I guess it just as easily could have ran him out the door, and I wouldn't have had to worry about him selling me anything. <laughs> but it, it, it was, I think we have to be brave. Mm-hmm. We have to have courage because, you know, the devil's going over there. You know, Austin, you're really, you know, you got a bone up on your apologetics. You might ask a question you, that you don't know, and then you'll say the wrong thing. Or, you know, Ken, you really don't want to offend him. That's what the devil's doing. Uh, what God really wants us to do is to be brave uh, mm. and courageous and to rely on the Holy Spirit. To Because um, when we do, the Holy Spirit's going to come through for us yeah. um, and, and, and go ahead and have the strength to say what we want to say or to ask those questions. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, yeah. that's been my experience, too, is that there's that fear component like you're talking about that, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, they might think terribly of me. But I, you know, I'm, I'm racking my brain, and I cannot think of that many experiences, if any, where I've uh, I've said, "All right, Holy Spirit, let's do this," you know, and uh, and somebody's been really turned off. I've not really experienced that much. Have you? No. I, people are searching for something, mm-hmm. and they just don't know sometimes who they're searching for. Uh, and the world wants to offer a lot of uh, options that will make you happy, uh, but those options are typically uh, very consuming in their nature, so they have no longevity in them. And so when you, and, and most people have, they, 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 they know God, they've heard of God, they probably have gone to church, and that invite back to them, that opening of that door may be exactly what they need, hmm. but we have to push the door open for them. Yeah, that's hmm. so true. Very true. Yeah. yeah. 
<clears throat> and it comes back to that the piety that you talked about the um, being close to the sacraments and and having that prayer life I think because that emboldens us <clears throat> excuse me in those moments no, absolutely I uh, the Eucharist the, the source and summit of our faith and it's really easy you talk about growing in holiness well we're called to become what we receive and take that out to the world and. It's really important, and I'll be the first one to admit, because I never even thought I was going to become Catholic, and so be careful what you tell God you're not going to do. <laughs> next thing you know, you end up being a deacon. <laughs> but there is such an intimate encounter that is happening every time uh, we enter into the liturgy of the Eucharist, where God is asking us to place all that we are, everything we have going on good, and everything we have that's not going well, and give it to him in that sacrifice. And when we walk down that aisle to receive him, it is intimate. God is pouring himself directly into our body. And for me, having really just gone from this is crazy to this is like absolutely the most amazing intimate encounter any one of us can have, uh, no different than the encounters that we have with our wife. It is that it is intended to be that intimate. You know, in marriage, the two become one. Mm-hmm. The same is true when we receive the Eucharist. And if you walk out of church and and that's what you're thinking, you can't help but share Christ with the world to be transformed in ways that are beyond what we think we can do. Because mm-hmm. I never thought I would do this. So it's just proof that God. Can can take you where you don't think you can go. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. It just makes me think of how. <clears throat> excuse me, if you're around someone a lot, you just start to pick up sort of aspects of their of their character. I remember in college, you know, we'd all start just having sayings that we all would share. That everybody would come in and sit with my group of friends, and they'd be like, "What kind of language are you guys speaking?" You know, because we just had all these kind of inside. Um, things that we would say or jokes that we would have because you just kind of naturally start to take on characteristics of those that that you're close to. Absolutely. Um, And I think there seems to be that Mm -hmm. natural when we're close to Jesus, we just take on characteristics of of him. Absolutely. And and so let's talk about one other sacrament, and it's the sacrament of baptism. And a lot of us don't remember our baptism. I remember my baptism because I was 17. (laughs) Oh, nice. But, you know, we often forget that... We have a baptismal call, Hmm. priest, prophet, and king. So we're all called to be exactly that throughout our entire lives. When we die to ourselves and rise in Christ, we are called to be priest, prophet, and king. So to you, what is a priest? It's a guy with a collar who does the sacraments. Right. But we all (laughs) have a role in that priesthood, right? Which the definition I would give you for being a priest as related to our baptismal cause, it's we are to bridge the gap between humanity and divinity. Hmm. So each one of us, everyone listening to this podcast, through their baptism is called to bridge the gap between humanity and divinity. Hmm. Pretty powerful when you think about that. It is. Yeah, and, and how, how easily accessible it is, though, too, through what you're saying in the sacraments and then also just prayer. Absolutely. And I love what you were saying, Ken, that you kind of start to pick up characteristics of, of the people you're around. You know, you talk like the people you're with. And the more time uh, you spend with Jesus, the more 
the more he becomes a friend um, that you really start to fall in love with. Uh, I mean, like a spouse, but different. But it's uh, that level of intimacy that you were talking about, Deacon. That, and when you when you have a really really good friend, uh, it's very natural when you meet somebody else that you want to introduce them to your friend. Beautifully yeah. said. But when Jesus remains an idea or a concept, you know, it's you're not as likely to say, "Hey, let me tell you about uh, about the hypostatic union." It's really fascinating. <laughs> you know? You're just not going to do that. Just close that door. Yeah. <laughs> okay, weirdo. Let's walk away. <laughs> yeah. But introducing someone to a person is that's natural. It's what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that goes back to the priestly role of of taking what's natural and bringing bringing it to the divine right and so um, taking what's natural which is our work environment and then and then putting Catholic symbols is now raising that it's now raising that up or saying the prayer over our meal is a way of raising that meal um, up to God that natural thing and so you're talking about priests what about king king um, and prophet, prophet? And king. yeah Number one, y'all are really good at tying things together, by the way. I love it. Very good. Y'all are professionals. Deacon, I told you before we started, it's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) The prophet is simply to speak the truth. And a lot of times uh, when we get in certain situations at work, uh, it's, it's easy to start to compromise who God is truly calling us to be. And so to speak that truth of, of the gospel and who God calls us to be in every situation, no matter how difficult it is, is extremely important. And then to be a king is to serve. So if we have that servant's attitude at work, uh, it's going to go a long ways in uh, helping us draw other people to us, and then we in turn can draw them to our friend, Jesus. So the king is to serve. Yes. I like that. That's yeah. not normally your first thought as you think, well, if I'm a king, I'm going to throw on a crown and indulge in riches and excitement, but it's it's service. Exactly. And mm. to close this on the Curcio front, at least, <laughs> most rectors or leaders for a Curcio weekend um, first come in with the idea that they're going to run the weekend. And mm. I immediately tell them, you're here, your role is to serve the team. I said, and you will find great grace and great joy in in being the servant leader. And I actually told a, a joke on my last talk. Well, it wasn't a joke, but I didn't realize it till this talk. I um, discussed the idea that when I wanted to be a servant leader on the Crescio weekend, that God would give me the grace to do that. Uh, I was only talking about the weekend. I didn't know that God was talking about for the rest of my life. Wow. So it's, uh, that's awesome. Well, I mean. There you have it then. To bring God to the workplace is to live a sacramental life, um, live from your baptismal call of priest, prophet, and king, and be a servant leader. And have courage, right? Have courage to do all of it. That's right. Um, in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Deacon Dave, for joining us today. It was a real treat to have you on. I think we could have talked for about 15 minutes. Oh, we could have kept going. At least, at least, yeah, we could have <laughs> kept yeah. going for a while. <laughs> we need part two of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so if, if you enjoyed the podcast, we ask that you share it um, and, and share in your own life and in the workplace you, the, the gift of our faith with others. Um, please send us an email. Um, let us know what you think. And also, if you want to apply to be on the show, it's vichimundum.com. You can put in an application as a, to be a guest on the show. And uh, until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray, pray for, for us. us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. 
This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call to new evangelization and sharing their love of Christ with you. God bless you.